Sinesto Gwinnett Place Atlanta features 300 guest rooms, 16,000 square feet of meeting and event space, several dining options including art bar, a gastro pub serving locally inspired fare and cocktails, along with an indoor-outdoor swimming pool and patio, 11 landscaped acres of walking trails, and a convenient location to all the attractions located north of Atlanta. The new Sinesta ES Suites brand offers 81 redesigned studio and one-bedroom extended stay suites, all filled with ample amenities with full kitchens for longer stays. Visit Sinesta.com backslash Gwinnett to learn more about their two hotels under one roof and all of the offerings for your next getaway, meeting, or event. A family-owned shop in Loganville, Sosby's Garage, for all your automotive repair needs. We service all makes and models, Ford and domestic. We repair engines, alternators, brakes, alignments, AC systems, and more. Using certified technicians with over 90 years of combined experience. We also offer same-day service for some repairs. Sosby's Garage, 200 Bay Creek Road in Loganville. Dependable, honest, and fair. Look us up on Google or Facebook. We'll take good care of you. Broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett studio inside the Sonesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel, it's time for Case in Point, presented by Paradigm Security Services. We are the cornerstone of security in the Southeast. Hey, welcome everybody. We kick off Case in Point, presented by Paradigm Security Services once again. I'm your host, Rick Strawn, the president of Paradigm Security Services, and we're excited to be with you today on Business Radio X. We're coming to you uh, from the Subaru of Gwinnett, Atlanta studio, located in the beautiful Sinesta Gwinnett Place Hotel in Atlanta, in Duluth, Georgia. Each week, we plan, uh, as you know, to feature businesses in the Atlanta area, and especially those that serve Gwinnett County. But one of our main priorities is to discuss security and uh, with a special focus on training. And while all businesses have security concerns, and not all are about physical security, but many of them are, and, it, and a lot of the topics are revolving around that are mitigation of liability and everything. So one of the things we're going to do is I'm happy to have back with me again Nick Cooley, who is the founder and CEO of North Florida Security Academy, also now licensed in the state of Georgia as a security instructor and firearms instructor. And uh, wanted to get back with Nick. I'm, thanks for coming in. Glad to have you here. Oh, it's great to be back, Rick. Thanks for inv inviting me back. Well, we've talked a couple of times about uh, the different uh, levels of security, the importance of security. And what I wanted to do was to bring you back in here to talk about, um, from the business side of it, from the client side of it, you know, the importance of having security and what security can do for you and aid you, uh, how it can benefit you, and, you know, why it is that people might want to consider security for their type of business, depending upon. So uh, give me a little brief quickie on who you are, what you do for people who are just tuning in first time. Um, Again, my name is Nick Cooley. I'm the owner of um, North Florida Security Academy based out of Tallahassee, but I'm also a Florida and Georgia security consultant um, licensed to teach in both states, board certified like yourself, um, internationally certified. So I come to you with a lot of different knowledge in about 12 years of um, as an agency owner, former agency owner doing private security for the, uh, large communities in both Tallahassee and in Jacksonville. 
Well, you know, let's talk a little bit. One of the key things uh, when you're in a security business, mm-hmm. and one of the things I think that clients ought to be and really are concerned about is civil liabilities. So let's talk a little bit about how private security, having private security, not having private security, or within the security industry itself, the concept of civil liability. It's kind of a, what I like to say, a double-edged sword. There's two, two, two sides to it. The first side is, you know, I've gone out and met with prospective clients before, and you sit down with them and they go, oh no, I don't need any security, I'm good, um, until an event happens. And then when the event happens, it becomes a knee-jerk reaction. It's, oh my God, I gotta have security now. You're already facing great liabilities. There are attorneys out there, both in every major city, and while I was up here last night, I was researching some just in this area that are holding apartment complexes, businesses, churches, you name it, hotels, liable for not providing adequate security. And as we know, cameras, are not reliable, adequate security. All the cameras are gonna do is film the event. It's not going to prevent the event. Tell you when it happened, the general description of who did it, but yeah. that's about it. Exactly, And but the events happened. And then- It's great evidentiary evidence. Yeah, it's great evidence if you ever find the person. And you know, we've seen brazen criminals today just look at the cameras and wave at them because they don't care that the cameras are there and but they do care if you have an unarmed or an armed security officer standing at the front door that's prevention that's 98 percent of security's job is preventing a crime from ever occurring that's in our use of force continuum it's 98 percent it's just the physical uniform and the physical presence can deter the crime from ever occurring in the first place. So you have the clients to say, oh, I don't need security until it's too late, but now they're gonna get sued. We have many apartment complexes and businesses in Florida and Georgia that have lost up to $4 million in liabilities because they didn't provide any type of security or the bad side is the security they offered was negligent and not doing their job because the officers weren't trained properly. So then the security company held some liabilities as well as the property because the property was chose an inadequately trained security company. They took the low bid. Sometimes you get what you pay for, you take the low bid and you're gonna get what you pay for and you're gonna open yourself back up to other liabilities, wrongful death suits, things like that. Well, you mentioned something that is also important and it tagged perfectly into what I wanted to ask you about, and that's negligence. Mm-hmm. Um, how does a company, what makes it, uh, so I've hired security, how am I negligent in hiring security? That they, they came in here, they offered me security, I said, sure, they got a guy that comes in here, uh, we've got security, how is that negligent? It's negligent that you chose maybe the lowest bidder. You didn't do your due diligence in researching that company. Their training records should be open. They should, you should have a transparent security company that's transparent and saying, look, here's how our officers are trained. Here's the credentials of our instructors. Here's what we're training them in, inviting them in. So because when the event happens, that defense attorney is gonna say, 
where did you pick the security company from? Do you know if they're trained? Just because the security company, we talked about this at one of the last shows, just because you're an owner of a security company doesn't mean you know anything about being an owner of a security company or anything about security. That's very true. And when you pick that company, you know, you can be negligent because you chose a company that isn't training people or you're not verifying that they're training people. When I had my agency, I offered and was freely willing to share any training records with my clients saying, look, we conduct these trainings on this and such and such a base. Here's our outline. Here's our training. Here's who came to it. And here's the ones on your property. And many of them said, thank you. We don't need it. That's fine. But they were assured that they that, could get it, that we had it. And if they needed it, we could provide it. And I think that's the partnership between a good security company and a client to make sure that, you know, in Florida, like I we talked before, we have 40 hours here. You have 24. So we have to put a lot more information in and a lot quicker in both unarmed and armed security in every state varies all over the country it's there's no uniform training yet well and there's also not, nothing that says you can't have your training for 30 hours or absolutely hours not or 40 you just have to get the mandated 24 hours worth of training in that initial training absolutely so you know so that opens up but you know vicarious liability you know that that's something that kind of tags in a little bit different explain that um vicarious liability is really liability of um to another person a licensee a supervisor where you're attaching it to somebody else for the wrongful act of some like a subordinate so if your supervisors of the security company recognizes that somebody is doing something wrong they don't make the corrective errors or corrective actions that supervisor as well as the licensee Takes is going liability. to hit the liability and that can go all the way back down to up to the ownership the training directors the training managers it goes right up the chain it doesn't go down it already starts at the bottom and it's going to go up and you know because if you don't correct it that means you approved it, which means that you're going to be held negligent for directing or the omission or failure to act upon that you approved it. So those liabilities result in negligence being assessed against the supervisor, the agency owner for insufficient, improper, inadequate training of both your, tr your licensee and your supervisors. That means so you didn't train your supervisors or your trainees so it really once again all comes back to training and it always will and how much training have you given to your your supervisory staff how much training have you given your officers mm -hmm. how much training have you gone through as a as an owner or right. as an upper level manager do you you know what's your experience what's your background level is it law enforcement is it just well i was you know i was tired of doing what i was doing i was in a restaurant doing stuff and i decided i wanted to be a security and well i was older and smarter so they made me a supervisor i have seen that before and i've seen that in many agencies that they took the one guy that showed up the most always came in on his days off worked all the overtime did an adequate job when he was there they made him the supervisor because he there was there's the only one that they could trust to show up 
but he didn't necessarily have the people skills, the management skills, the supervisorial. That's like one of the companies that I work with in Jacksonville, Aero Security. They actually have their supervisors go through a 24-hour certification program to certify their supervisors as security supervisors. And it's not an easy program, trust me. No, because I teach that. <laughs> it's 20 hours of classroom. And then they have to write nine essays based on case scenarios of dealing with personnel issues, security-related personnel issues, and how they were going to handle it, and then go through and present those cases to myself and his ownership group to get certified so that they become a corporal, a sergeant, or some type of supervisor well before they actually start those duties. Well, that's, it's kind of an awesome idea to, to actually give them the pre-training and, and pre-qualification before you place them there. Isn't it? And they know that how long they have to have, how much experience they have to have, and what the standards of having a good review. Can they write reports? Are they showing up on time? Are they doing the right thing when they're supposed to be doing it? And that's all before they ever get to me and I get them that program. Well, that sounds great. How about, um, you know, when you have clients and they want to help reduce all these liabilities with properly trained companies, how do you go about identifying a properly trained company or uh, what would you consider a properly trained company? First, you want to look at the ownership. Is the ownership active? Is the ownership actually active in the company getting out and meeting clients? You know, when I had my agency, yes, I had a sales staff that went out and met and created the contracts. And I know you do too. But you know what? Every one of the clients knew me personally at some point within the first 30 days so they knew who they could count on. They had a bio of me. They had copies of my certifications that they could share with the client so that that client had the comfort and peace of mind to know that they were selecting a, a, a security company that was well-trained, the ownership was well-trained, the ownership was passionate and involved and available for questions. Even though I had a great staff and you have a fantastic staff um, meeting your people, they know they can go count on James. They know they can go count on Joan and your staff to get the job done when the job needs to get done so that we can focus on what? Building our business and, and dealing with the other things that we need to deal with in the community to raise awareness and go can continue to get all kinds of other training. It's great that Rick, you and I go out and get all this training and all these board certifications. But if we don't pass that on to our team, we're negligent in ourselves. If we don't take that knowledge that we go out and collect all these certifications that fill a wall. But if we don't have the ability, like you and I and other people and other owners know, to go out and train our staff, there is no way we're going to not be negligent because we didn't pass it on. That's very true. Well, when you look at the, um, the, the well, let's just take the training standards for security companies to reduce these liability. Now, Florida, they have a, a lot different training uh, standards. Mm -hmm. uh, they're, they're longer training. There's, there's really a lot more in depth. And then you have the Georgia training standards, mm -hmm. which are set at 24 hours at, as far as the mandated part. Uh, not near enough. We both agree. 
Um, what do you do about going ahead? How do you address these? How do you look at that as far as the comparison of the training standards? When it comes down to the standards themselves, uh, are the training standards adequate as far as you're concerned with Georgia? As far as should Georgia do more to put more in place that requires more standards and a more training than what they've got? I'm going to say that that would be a yes. I mean, Florida is only one of... I'm just of, asking your opinion. No, and that's my opinion. I mean, I don't want to... I just got my licenses here, but I <laughs> don't want to lose them tomorrow. Um, you know, but I do... I don't think anybody would disagree with me that 24 hours is not an adequate number of time to really teach them interviewing skills, report writing skills, patrolling skills, mobile patrol skills, how to act in the side of an emergency. And then you get them where it's not interactive, you know, it's a static training. Um, it's like in teaching firearm, a static training was stand, point, shoot, stand, point, shoot, stand, point, shoot. Instead of shoot, move, check your sixes, shoot, move, set, you know, where you're adding movement and other activities to it, kneeling barricades and all that stuff. Yes, those are all part of your 16 hours um, that like for armed, I like to put together how to do a foot patrol, how to do a mobile patrol, and report writing together. And that's what we did this morning, you know, with your class at the office. Is we put together things that they learned and about patrolling with what they learned about report writing, and we combined the skills to make it what? More real, more life. More life. I think that it's going to take the initiative and things like that that you and I have been talking about to increase our standards, and so what? You're like you're right. We don't have to sit to say 24 hours. We can say it's going to be a 35-hour course or it's going to be a 30-hour. I truly believe Florida needs to be a longer course and more of a standardized course. There's too much variables in Florida. There's guys running through a 40-hour course in 28 hours just because it's all about money. To me, it's about my quality. I want to make it a life change. I want to improve their life, not just their teach them how to be security. Well, and, you know, it's the whole mindset behind security. Uh, you can get, we talked about on the way over here earlier about, um, you know, is it good to get a security officer in that has never had any training? Or is it better to get a security officer in to train that has had some training, uh, been through another academy, been through another company, or maybe even just been three months on a site without training to bring them in and a lot of that really depends on the officer it's that you get in, in and of its own it's, as far as my opinions you know it's you can have officers that go out here and learn from another company that really learn some bad bad habits habits yeah exactly exactly and it takes time to break habits as well as to develop new habits but if you have someone that is you know a fresh slate a lot of times you can really teach that person the right way to do it to start with rather than having to spend time arguing with them why this way is better than the other way. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes you just have to say, forget the other way. We're going to start over and we're going to do it right. You get that as well, and that's absolutely true. But you also get the ones that you start off fresh, green as the grass the first day. They just want to tr really get into this career. We train them, we train them right, they get in there and they work. And you know just as well as I do, they get with another officer that's not as passionate, learned all the shortcuts, 
then that cough sir creates that cancer and starts to and and that's where that continuing education that continued training having one day a month that you bring in other officers and you retrain them not on your company policies they already know your policies and they know they're breaking it but they let's rebring them in because one we have that documentation we have that sheet that they receive this additional training it could be just a refresher training I brought my whole crew in one time for four-hour staff meeting. That's 70 people. Brought them all in. We put them in a big room, and we retaught them report writing because some of them, although they went to our academy, they were doing good. They got lazy, and that's human nature. Oh, I can shorten this up because they're not really reading this. They can shorten this up. They're not really doing this over here. They're not enforcing this. That's where your supervisors having the right training can make the thing go full circle by your supervisors keeping on track of them, pulling up the reports. One of my consulting jobs with the other with a company in Jacksonville that I've mentioned is to pull their reports from all their officers, print them, proof them, and then submit for their evaluation back to the company so that it's done by a third party not somebody attached to them and i look at it with a fresh set of eyes going this makes sense or this doesn't make sense this is what they need so i can identify training things so when i go over there i want this officer this officer this officer and this officer in the office and i need them for five hours and we're going to refresh report writing or we're going to refresh patrolling skills because i can see something in their reports and that keeps that agency out of some liability issues and some negligent issues because one when that defense attorney comes walking in your office saying i need and they subpoena all your records and you go oh i got their new hire packet is that what you want he can pull up a file a half inch thick and go okay here's all their training records and here's all the things that we've done that means that the company has done everything they can to prevent a negligent act happening could it be a human error or was it just laziness but it takes the liabilities off of these companies your clients and yourself when you can prove they did it just because they went and did something negligent that's on them because they were trained differently and we have the written documentation to prove it well and you see that all the time in law enforcement Mm -hmm. and all this is is just the step below law enforcement as it is today one of the things that uh, you mentioned during that uh, was the, you know, there's an old saying, inspect what you expect. Mm-hmm. A lot of times companies fall through with the fact that they have all of these checks and balances in place, all of these systems in place. But you know what? Nobody reads the reports. Nobody checks to see what's going on. When you don't do that, your officers figure out very quickly that, well, nobody's reading these reports because nobody ever says anything. I did a great job, nobody said anything, or you know, I know I really screwed up on that. Nobody said anything, so that tells me they're not looking at it. It's it, the importance of a company management, having someone to review those reports, look at what's going, know what's going on out there in the field. Mm-hmm. Because you can't be everywhere in the field, but you can sure look and see anything that's generated in the field. That's a very important criteria. I'm not I'm going to tell you an absolute true story when I was a green rookie North Carolina when I got into security I was bored one night 
I wrote about four monkeys running through a parking lot in the middle of the night because I caught on that nobody was reading the reports. Nobody to this date has ever figured out that I wrote that report. They've never read them. <laughs> okay? I mean, it was a great report for everything else, but I just put one little line in there about something that was strange, thinking, I want to see. What they say about if it. They, if they see it or they read it. I worked for him for six more months afterwards, and nobody had ever said anything to me about it. Which means that, just like what you said, if you don't have a company that's willing to, you know, like like the company in Jacksonville, they want me to read the reports. I spend maybe eight to ten hours every month just pulling random reports from every officer they have grading them, proofing them, and writing a quick synopsis and sending it back so they can put it in their personnel file that these are corrective things. And then that goes on their final evaluations to determine their pay raises, determine their promotability. Well, you have to be able to make judgment calls, and you have to have basis for judgment. I mean, that's just you can't just randomly promote people or you've got problems. Mm-hmm. Um, well, can clients consume some of the uh, the liabilities we've talked about, and and how? Can, but how can they? And more importantly, how can they reduce those liabilities? You kind of touched on it on a couple of places. They can reduce the liabilities for. They need to listen to the experts that they're hiring. They need to listen to us provide advice. If we report for a month, um, I had a property myself. They had fifty four lights out, and we reported it for sixty days straight. 54 lights and it was in a parking lot of an apartment complex that was horribly dark horribly dark and i we kept reporting it we had meetings we documented those meetings sure enough one night strong arm robbery right in that area nobody saw a thing because it was so dark and then the ownership who never read our reports says what are you going to do to replace the leases that we lost because you got your people were negligent and not there to stop this and i go time out for a minute sir you're holding gonna hold all this negligent because we've been reporting for 60 days straight that you have 54 lights out and that this area was unsafe we've met with management believe it or not the ownership of the property never knew the manager did the manager did but they never did took any action so clients need to listen to the experts that they're hiring Yes, I know sure all about budgets. I know all about that. But when we're talking about a very serious safety or security issue, they need to take action. You know, they need to go fix lights. You don't want vagrants into your property or homeless wandering into your property where students and kids live. You need to fix the doors. You need to secure the doors. It doesn't matter if you have new paint upstairs. If you can have criminals walking through your building and they rape, injure, beat up, assault, batter people, it doesn't matter how good the pain is if your doors are unlocked. Yeah, that's very true. And you got to, you know, a lot of it has to do with research. There again, research, make sure you're hiring experts mm-hmm. or someone that at least has an expert knowledge of what they're doing, not just somebody that, uh, you know, six months ago was flipping burgers at burger king so Mm -hmm. that's an owner no less yeah the um well there's a balance between the protection of officers and the increasing liability and i know that uh from an owner standpoint it, it sometimes 
it's very difficult to find that balance uh, because you're always wondering, you know, you know, you have a job to do. It's you, you. I've got to keep in mind, to me as a business owner, but also from a client perspective, that these are not police officers. Mm-hmm. You know, they're hired to basically observe and report. Mm-hmm. They're not. They're not hired to get in there and do fisticuffs and battle and and get injured. You know, that's when you call the the police out. That's when you call the law enforcement officer out. And then if your officer wants to help the officer out, if he starts getting in a fight, then jump in and go. Mm-hmm. But it's that initiation. So, you know, how do you, how do you look at finding that balance? It's, let's just take it from a client's perspective. How do you help the client understand that that balance has got to be there? Um, I think that goes to the authenticity of the ownership of the security company and convincing the client, look, you know, here's how our officers are trained. Each client can dictate what they want on or off of their, you know, to happen on their property. We call them post orders, you know, but we can't have it so strict um, that you put an officer in danger. You know, it's just like what we heard about, you know, a major security company in Florida, you know, an officer observed a murder happen. He didn't do anything to stop it. He was an armed officer. But because of the restrictions of the client and the security company so afraid of liabilities that they're going to be dealing with more liabilities than they ever dealt with because they had an armed officer that wasn't allowed to put a bullet in a gun. Yep. What? I mean, and they're only allowed to carry one bullet. And that is negligent beyond negligent on both the security company and the client hired him because they were considered one of the major security companies in the United States. And yet they now put that client in a horrible wrongful death situation. And that security company is going to eat more liability because they wouldn't allow the officer to do what they're trained to do. You know, it's like we went back to Mayberry, USA. Yep, Barney Fife was there. Yeah. You know, and it's it's funny because this we we both have talked about this earlier, and we we verified that this actually was their policy. You know, I'm not going to mention any names, but it's a major major company. Mm-hmm. And what was the what was the company's response to the situation? They would fire the employee if they did any action. The yeah. officer was more afraid of getting fired than saving another human being's life, watching somebody pull a gun out, threaten another human being. He was more afraid of losing his job than he was to address that threat that was happening right in front of him at that point in time. Because his job was on the line if he took action. Well, what's he, and then I'll top it all off, uh, and I'll close this little story but top it all off the uh, security company pulled from the pulled the client off their off this pulled the security off the client saying right. it was too dangerous they fired yeah the property's too dangerous yeah they so the, the security client. company fired the client for their own negligence 
Yeah, it makes just... no sense to me at all. And Rick, I don't think you're going to, if you had armed officers, you're going to restrict your armed officers to not stop a forcible felony that's happening right in front of them. Oh, absolutely. You know, you've been in law enforcement too long, and I've been a firearm instructor for way too long and in this business. That's the most justified case of saving another human's life that there ever will be, and it's the only one that's justified is I'm going to stop somebody that is about to kill somebody and I'm going to do that. I'm going to I'm going to sleep well at night to do that. But oh, it's I'm not going to worry about the liability suit. I'll take that all day long, every day, in case of saving another human's life. Absolutely. We talked about some really good stuff, Nick. As always, um, you know, a lot of stuff covered here. It's you know just almost uh, just a tremendous amount of information. And I'm sure next time that you're on, we'll be in delving into another area of training security uh, working with clients whatever we decide to get on involved in at that point but it's um, it's great to have you back on again and um, you know I know you're going to come back I will and I, I I enjoy it this is a great opportunity to share with other experts in the industry and I enjoy being here with you guys thank you very much well you're quite welcome and I also want to just take a moment to mention our one of our sponsors which is uh, Sosby's Garage and you know their technicians are ASE certified and Nissan Master Tech certified with over 90 years of combined experience if you're looking for anybody that good honest dependable you can take your car to and and trust them to do what they say they're going to do and not uh, try and sell you something that's really not wrong with it you that's that's the people again it's Sosby's Garage and that's S-O-E-S-B-E apostrophe S Garage 200 Bay Creek Road, Suite 200, Loganville, Georgia, 30052. Pick up the phone, call John at 678-825-2127. And, of course, for any of your security needs, be sure and call Paradigm Security. We're sitting here waiting for your call and ready to help you out, give you advice or give you direction. Thank you again for joining us on Case in Point, presented by Paradigm Security Services. Remember, you can join us live every Wednesday at 1130 in the morning, or you can listen to our show anytime you want by going to businessradiox.com, clicking on the Gwinnett Studio, and then click, of course, on Case in Point. Join us next week at 1130, when we will talk with business leaders about their businesses, related security issues in today's world. Thanks again to my, de- my guest, Nick Cooley. And for our producers, Mike and Trey, I'm Rick Strawn. And remember, at Paradigm Security Services, we cover more than just your assets.